thank y'all for coming back to the Woodsman Perspective Podcast. We got a pretty cool one lined up for you today. What do you think, Chris? I think it's okay. It's a it was a project for sure. Yeah, look, Mid Mid uh Mid liked being on this one, but I think he's he is uh in parts unknown hunting a moose, I believe. I think that's right. It's pretty good. Now Mitt was in, Mitt was in on this thing because when I first told him about the project, he was like, "What are you gonna do?" So I don't know if it'll work, and he's, yeah, I think it's working. He probably come along pretty yeah, quick. He so, liked it, yeah. so one thing that we talk about, you'll hear us talk about a lot when we're when we're talking habitat and setting up a place is is cover, proximity to cover, creating cover. If you don't have cover, how important it is, you know, arguably depending on your your place arguably is more important than those food plots but well it's the bottom line i mean you can you can look at at people that hunt and, and brent you a big bow hunter and a you know a guy that hunts the woods but if if there's a cutover close by you're gonna be pretty close find to that it. edge mm-hmm. that's right <clears throat> so, and they like it they like an edge chris did something a few years ago that to me is still one of the coolest projects because it it goes against a lot of just general consensus and common the common thought and uh, on, on your farm, and I, I've been on him back and forth. Some we've talked about. Look, I want to I want to do a podcast. At least talk about this project, and it can be a short. And this one, it may turn into an hour, but our intention is it to be a short on, on what you did at the Airhead. We're gonna call it the Airhead, and you may have, we may have referenced the Airhead before in another podcast. So Chris took a an area on his farm and converted it to bot, from bottomland hardwood, beautiful bottomland hardwood. To native warm season grass. That's correct. Yep. And that just just not that that goes against you know what, what most people about. would think. But yeah. tell us about it. How how we get there? How, and what well, we, did it work? So the the prior you know you anytime you buy a piece of land, uh, so what happened prior to you owning it, you have really no control over it. So the track I had, they was a uh, it was owned by a hardwood timber company, and they had cut timber over it in the years because they had a sawmill. So they cut areas really heavy, and they cut other areas, and and I could just see, you know, back in the day, they would high grade areas, branch, you know, they'd cut all the mm-hmm. big stuff out, and then what's left is the junk hardwood behind, uh, and and I'm in a bottom, okay, so it, it's I'm in a flood bottom, and it's McGowan Creek bottom is, is really the name of yeah, it. Yeah, that's near McGowan Creek and yeah. Ten and, Tom. And Ten Tom, Tennessee Tom, big waterway is pretty close by. It runs into it, so I'm in a you know heavy clay. Pretty, that's that's sort of a like main a drainage. Yeah. It's, 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 it's main drainage. It's a bowl. And and when really when floods gets out and and it you get gets a, wet You get winter, an inch and a half yeah. rain yeah, in 24 I'm, hours, you're going right. to go I'm, underwater I'm, for a little while. Some of it will go underwater. That's yeah. right. So you, you have ridges. So, you know, being, you know, I'm going to use a mitt saying the limiting factor. When I, when I got this place, started developing and doing some different things was putting – some cover in it because what I was losing was my neighbor. Uh, he had some higher ground. He had some pine stands that they were young. Uh, he had some stuff that was, you know, sage grass fields. He had a little more pre- diversity. Than he you. had a lot of diversity. Yep. And I tell you, he had most of the good deer. Uh, and you don't so, have any pine on no, your place. No, see, my place is zero pine. And and um, so it's all hardwood now, not all oak. Yeah. It, oak is probably not, not our the, desirable hardwood. It's not the dominant it. species. Yeah. So I would have a hackberry, uh, ash, yeah. oak. Typical river hickory. bottom. Yeah. A lot and, of hickory. And, and, a lot and, of... and it's a prairie. It's a prairie type ground. Mm-hmm. So um, so what I wanted to do, I, I learned very quick that if you're going to be in the game, 
you better have some cover yeah, on this look, track. You could see 200 yards through, through the woods in most, right. of the, most of those that's areas. Right. And, and what was good about it, it was cut so heavy that there were big areas that would be an acre in size where they cut out big timber over the years and – and a big tornado had come through it in the in the in the nineties yeah. and knocked some sections down. Well, that was the sections that the deer wanted some to be. That's right. That's where they wanted to be. So I knew then. I said, you know what? Uh, so I first started putting. Look the big at this. I need more of that. I need more of that. And 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 what I wanted to do is I wanted to have it close. I wanted to have it close to where they want to eat. Okay. So, so you had that, food plots established. Oh, that's right. You I had had food established plots, food. That was the first you, you thing were, I'd done was yeah. establish. And I think I put about 40 acres of food plots on this thing. Yeah. Um, I took a track hoe down there and found areas. And I really took, you know, you laugh when you're a timber man, you get used to a couple things, but pink flagging tape is one of them. So you buy it by the cases and you use a lot of it. And, and you know, we use it to mark boundary lines so the guy on the cutter wouldn't cut over the line. But I used it to mark areas, high spots in the woods so I could say, okay, this may be a place I want it to be, and this I flag my food plots with it. And it's probably one of the best tools in the toolbox is having that pink flag, and mm-hmm. you can mark things that you visual, see. You get yeah, the visual, man, yeah, yeah, you see it. So <clears throat> I wanted to, um, I wanted to go in and just say, you know, it's I need some cover, yeah, and I and I need it close to the food because I don't want a deer. I mean, look, let's just be smart about this for a second. So we're looking at a deer, and we're looking at deer time being 445, okay? That's what people, you know, yeah. look at. So I want that deer to be able to stand up at 445, and within two minutes, three minutes, he's standing in the field, whether he's checking for does or eating or whatever. I don't want the, the cover to be a quarter mile away, so when he comes and makes it to that field, he's not boogieing. I mean, when they jump up, they ain't taking off running. Unless something's behind them. Yeah. So they're grazing, they're walking, they're browsing. Now, if they chase a doe, that's a different story. But, you know, what I like to do in the majority of the big deer I kill, I kill them before the rut ever gets here. I kill them on feeding patterns. Mm-hmm. So I've already, I know the deer and I know them. So that, that's what I want. I want it close. So I'm not going to get off on that. So I had to find good areas. You want it close and an right. area you don't have to go that's through it. to get to the stand. Basic fundamental so, hunting track yeah. 101. So I want to start off by clearing these bad areas that's on higher ground that's the main thing because to me having bed and cover that's holding water ain't worth a crap mm. uh, you know a deer will walk through water he don't want to lay in it right. he can't control his heat you know they're like a dog a lot of times they like to lay in oh, the sun i don't want to lay in water either. no i don't that's right it's not a good deal <laughs> crunchy loud i mean it's just <laughs> not bad good. yeah and and a lot of times you you know you're cutting these tracks in the summertime so you got to be mindful. Yeah, you got to know. You got to. Well, now you did your homework. Be safe. You, That's right. you knew. You knew your right. track. You just knew. walk it, and it's like we're talking about walk your track. You well, know that, it. and using indicator species. That's it. That I mean, species that that oak species. Is gonna that that oak's gonna be on that ridge yeah. most of the time, and those gum and and ash mm-hmm. are gonna be in that wetter part of uh, part of the landscape. That and, is some and beautiful hardwood. It is, and it's, it's cool looking. It, it's yeah. cool stuff. It's it's something you don't see. Uh, that old prairie, that whole prairie is pretty. I mean, it really is. It reminds you of something. Yeah. It has species on one it's side of the river. Landscape. That's, yeah, yeah. It's pretty landscape. Yeah. It's really cool. So um, so I went in and marked some areas, and, and not big areas, okay? I didn't, you know, you wait all your life to put something together, and, and you want hardwood on it because it's pretty to you, which means a lot, but you really want it to be productive. So getting a deer and turkeys, you know, Mm-hmm. Places that turkeys can nest and deer can bed, uh, 
that's really the plus. Yeah, you're intentionally manipulating it. You're putting that, the cover right. where you want it. So we marked some spots out, and, and I didn't do it all in one year. I did it over several times, and some of the areas wasn't big enough to bring a crew in there to cut, you know, clean up crap. We pushed it in a pile and burn it and mm. pushed it down and pushed it over track hose. But then, then one area on the airhead we were talking about, so the airhead, why it was named that, it was it. I don't, I don't know who first come up with it. it was a long time ago because the guy I bought it from, owned it in the '30s, and his daddy and them outlaws called it the airhead because it's a, it's an arrow shaped piece of property, but it's never flooded even yeah. so on, the, a, on the big a, floods. It's a, it's a subtle ridge it's in there that's sort of shaped like an airhead. It, it's shaped like an airhead, and, okay. and uh, so they just always called it the airhead. And I've heard stories. <clears> oh man, when the flood gets up, you want to go the airhead. So, you know, you listen to to people old old school cats and you listen to them and they tell you things that, that that can help you so what we did we went in and, and took it out but but what i got thinking about is what am i going i couldn't grow pine on it so i'd either have to do two options i'd either have to let it grow back naturally so once you're in a bottom and once you cut something oak is not yeah, going to grow back what naturally. you want ain't coming no, back uh-uh. so and 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 the and me being a timber man the 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 growth of, of planting bare root hardwoods is very, very, it's limited. I mean, 40%. Well, even then, if you did, the benefit to it long term that, for what right. you were trying to do. What, what, right. What? So once any cover, and you think about this and people that's been in the woods, anytime you cut, it gets to a certain age, like a pine thicket. When it gets five, six years old, guess what? Night, night, it's over. Yeah. The, the thick stuff, it becomes crowded and it shades out. And, and hardwood's a little different. you got about 10, 12 years on hardwood. But then, but then you can't just it, run no, fire because, it like you No, mentioned. you can't manage it. And and the problem is you'd have to come in there and get something like mitt with an applicator, a skitter to come in there and spray it. And, I mean, who wants to come spray two or three acres, five acres here, 10 acres here, you know? And so what I wanted to do, and, and mitt had really put me on this um, native warm season prairie grass because he had been planting a lot of it, and he was doing a lot of that CP38 stuff for the, for the government as far as the quail projects and putting a lot of stuff in and, and I said, man, I want to plant some in the woods. I want to clear the trees and, and plant small patches of native, uh, you know, warm season prairie grass in the woods. He's like, what? He said, well, I'm, I've never seen it. But he said, you know, I mean, it can happen. It's pretty tough seed. I said, well, he said, man, you're going to have to clear it up. Well, just so happens I did have a clearing dozer, an old clearing dozer from the 70s. I mean, it looks like you're almost sitting on top of a house that's so big. I remember <laughs> this. It has a big dozer. $596 a day is what that thing eats in fuel. I mean, so it didn't have no emissions control. So we uh, we we picked out certain areas, and, and, and I took that dozer in there, and, and we cleared them. We cleared them and, and burned them, put them in a pile, windrowed them and burned them. And, um, you know, I did the, – the good part is I did most of it myself just because yeah. it was a cool project, and I wanted to do it, and – so we would have managed costs it too. Was, that's right. I mean, you, and, and and look now, we we always say this: once you talk wildlife, you talking. Not a lot of people wanting to do it, and it's going to cost you a lot of money. Yeah. So I just it was a good project for me to do on my own, and and um, you live and learn from some mistakes. Um, one one area was a little wet, so I'm still fighting it now, and I think I might have, to have Mitt come in. But anyway, we'll get to that a little later. But so we went in and cleaned that thing up and burned it. And uh, I went to a sale and bought a disc for a thousand dollars. And I already knew what was going to happen that disc. <laughs> Just the disc you can destroy. It. I was going to tear every blade up there was because I had a disc over top of those stumps. So I just I went in and and went to disking and and uh, 
So you think about this landscape. We we went in and marked this ridge and, and took the trees out, took whatever timber was out in it. We took it out. We burned all the, the tops and debris. And so what you got is you just got a field. Actually, you got looks like a food plot in the in the middle of the woods, but close to another food plot. So then I went in, Brent, and we, we disc that thing up, and, and um, I took my time, and, I mean, I, it really I tore every blade literally off that disc. It was, you know, they, they when I bought that old disc, it was like one that the refuge had used. And they said, oh, man, it's it's a fire plow disc. That thing, will, it'll cut through stuff. Heavy duty. Well, let me tell you, it won't cut through a stump. <laughs> it'll jump over a stump. But anyway, we I just wanted to expose ground. And uh, I got a I got one mitt, and we worked on a, on a switchgrass grass mixture of a a four foot grass and then like a seven foot grass and um i think one of them was an arkansas one of them was a conclave or something like that so then what we done we um after i disc that stuff you know you, you have to plant those switch grass pretty quick so you really need it planted in um uh, april may mm-hmm. and you know it's a little so you had to do a lot of prepping in the fall okay get it ready so it took all summer project, got it ready, and and uh, like I said, I it took it took me several years. I'd do a plot, I'd finish it, do a plot, and I'd finish it. And anyway, uh, make a long story short, I, I went there and seeded it with a four wheeler. Bought a bought an old Moultrie, one of those old Moultrie uh, spreaders mm, in front of four wheeler, twelve like volt, hundred hundred ten yeah. bucks, twelve volt, and I and I fabricated a little bit because that seed is so fine, it is littler than any clover seed you've ever tried to plant, and it's fluffy, so it may not have but a five foot spin. You know, so how I so did light. it, yeah, I took a black shirt <clears throat> and stood in front of it and, and figured out my depth, yeah. the distance that I could throw that stuff. And I think it was about five feet on each side, so 10-foot swath. Mm. So I just, hey, you, 10 foot you. So there I went on that four-wheeler, and I put it in there, and, and, and I knew how much seed per acre that I wanted to plant. And I think I planted about seven pounds of the acre, something like that, on that switchgrass. So I went through it, and and, and I would – uh. You know, you can move pretty good. If you got a pretty clean ground, you can move pretty fast with a four-wheeler. So what I would do, I would put that in there, and I would go as far as I could, you know, five, six, seven miles an hour. But I'd go over it, and, I mean, you're not going over two or three, four acres, you know, some of them. My biggest one's about 20 acres, I guess. And uh, that was the last one I'd done. But we just went over it and planted it. And and the first year it come up, it was about, you know, it wasn't even an inch tall. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a joke. Took out hardwoods for this. And then it made it made about a about a ten inch with a little head on it. Well, what I didn't know was it had a lot of hard seed. So the hard seed has got to be stratified, and then it grows the next year. So by year two, it blew up. The, the stand was on its way, and it and it goes. And I've helped a lot of people with it. And uh, Mitt was actually planting a lot of those acres. He was one of the only ones around here planting these old fields because you could get pretty good money. Yeah, uh, you know some government. Yeah. incentives to plant native warm season prairie grass under a quail yeah. quail management deal but uh i put them in those woods and, and and the the reason i done it was i can control it with fire so i can set back any kind of those ash and gum and everything that sprouts in there i just run that fire in there and it kills them down and, and that's how i've been able to do it and i mean we're going on what about year 10 it's been a while been yeah. 10 years been, and, been 10 and uh, years. but I, now i manage it what i like to do is because, you know, we like to turkey hunt. If anybody's listened to us, you know, me and Brent are pretty big turkey hunters. So I'll burn them. I, sometimes I burn them every year. And I'll burn them just for the turkeys to get on them. And then what it does, that switchgrass grows so fast, the turkeys, by the end of the season, they're ready, they to, they're ready to nest in it. Yeah. 
Now, some of them I'll, I'll alternate out, but uh, it, it's pretty neat to see it in the middle of those woods because some people ask me, they said, where do your deer stay at? I said, well, I got I got areas for yeah. them. And then, you know, you think about a deer. If he's a deer's laying out, and I, I tried to measure it one time, but a deer laying there, he's only laying about two feet by foot and a half, two feet. Yeah, the beds are small. They're small. When you find a bed. I mean, you say to find a bed, they're little. So you think about how many deer you can cram on three, four acres. I mean, a pile of them. And, and you, you think about a place, you know, most places, I would say on an average year, you know, I probably got 150 deer on that place. Okay, and and plus or minus, I mean, you know, you're gonna have some come in, and I, you know, I feed them pretty good, so they, they, they don't get shot at a lot, and they get a lot of food, so you, you got a bunch of hangouters. Pretty happy. Place yeah, to pretty be happy place to be for your deer, especially a small rack. Oh, you got a six point. Yeah, you're gonna make oh, it. Gonna yeah, yeah, if you're six points, you're probably gonna get thugged, but, <laughs> um, it's it's um it's worked out well, and and you know it it did take some time, but what I've noticed, and and what I've noticed with people that's that managed places but i mean that switchgrass is very i mean you can plant it in i mean you know warehouse was planting it in between pine trees they were thinning pines and they were planting switchgrass in between the pines brand i mean so it's very very versatile yeah it's pretty cool stuff i mean i think just from an, an observer's view to me it it, it i don't want to say it took some nerve but that's just not typically what somebody would do. no I mean, nobody he, he has went in i was sheared. the only one admit was the king of that stuff he was planting more of it than anybody around here yeah uh he was but like you said planting old field land old fields. Grand that had been that's in right. row crop for decades our, our, and it had gone pastures, in green ash that's right our pastures sheared. and, and he take out take out some prairie hardwoods to put them in there yeah so i've got a doctor client buddy of mine and and he's got a smaller track 240 acres and and a bunch of cedar ridges but you know what think about it, brent that's that's, that's that high spot. That's yeah. that high that's, spot. That's so that cedar, that yeah. cedar thicket ain't getting him crap. Mm-mm. So he just called me today. He said, Chris, I got him. He said, I'm bringing a dozer in there. And he, I mean, we've been talking for two years, and he's probably a tight, he's pretty tight dude, but he's a pretty sharp guy. And uh, he knows he wants to make his track the best because tracks around him have changed. Yeah. Uh, he was, I'll t- typically tell you what happened. He had a big track around him. It was all CRP. Guess what? CRP's gone. They're putting it back in road production. So all of his cover, gone. So he's got to have some cover on his own place. So that's what we're doing with that in that grass, just from what I've done, them trials. And um, he's he's got it pushed out of the way and, and gone, and we're going to put switchgrass in it. He, and a matter of fact, he planted his first field two acres this year of switchgrass. He got yeah. mitt and got some seed from him. But uh, Well, look, I've sat, I've sat in the shooting house. My daughter killed a big – big deer there a few years ago mm-hmm. i've killed deer sitting there and it's yep. it's a fun the setup is so neat because you sit in there and you're in the way you situate the, the food plot relative to the wind like you can get in and out of that stand right. undetected you, you can right. slip in with deer in the field you can slip out you got one of those secondary roads around it that's right you can sneaker, get in there little sneaker, road. Little sneaker spot you can yeah. get in and and your head's on a swivel the whole time because you're yeah. looking at this grass and and especially during the rut. And the thing about that grass is is you're looking, and all of a sudden you look and you see these horns coming. Yeah. And you see them coming through it, and you see them walking, and they're walking through that grass. And and uh, you know it's uh, Mitt's a stickler. He's got a lot of that switchgrass. Mitt's got a bunch of switchgrass. So Mitt's put about ninety or hundred acres in that old of mm-hmm. some of his in there. And Brent, I think he, and he don't like it being so thick, but. 
you know, I was wanting it to be thick. So now some of the thicker stuff. It's a smaller, yeah, smaller area. Smaller area. But I'm cutting some, just taking a six foot bush hog and I'm cutting a road. And a matter of fact, I'll do it next week. I'm cutting a road all the way through it and cutting a couple little secondary roads, just just lanes through it. But what that does, those deer like to lay beside those corridors, what I call a travel corridor. I'm making a travel corridor Mm -hmm. straight to the greenfield in the airhead. Yeah. Straight to the greenfield. So when they get up, they you make it easy. They make them easy. They walk right yep. in there. And 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 it, yep. it works like a charm. They're you know, they're they're pretty they're pretty routine in what they like to do. Um but it's it works and there's nothing and, and the turkeys same way, you know, those turkeys I we see, Brent, you know this. I'm having turkeys nesting on my place and and that's what I want. I want them yeah. to nest on those on those areas that don't flood. And well, it changed it so much too because we oh, used yeah. to talk about on your property. So it, the way it sits, the the lower end of it's higher. Yeah, and you can tell. And and so with turkey season, the turkeys used to move up there, right. and they still do. But they don't they don't all move up there now because you you've taken this other area that's high, right? That's high and dry, and mm-hmm. you've got it now. It's in good good nesting and brooding habitat. That's right. So they're not forced to go either to a neighbor or all to come into one in the property. Well, and and what we've gotten, what we've seen in, in in my in my business is, you know, hardwood timber's gone up and people have went in there and just smoked it down. I mean, they've cut it and converted to pine and and once where we had predominant hardwood species on the Tom Bigby waterways, now it's a big pine plantation. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at it, Brent, you, you shoot enough drones in the air, you see them. And um I just didn't want to I knew I didn't want it to look like the refuge, have that park look, mm-hmm. because that park's pretty, but it don't hold those deer. And I knew that that I needed some cover and I needed some stuff for the bigger deer. I mean, they they're gonna go to that thicker cover. That's just yep. one thing about a mature deer. He's not gonna be in the open a lot. He likes to be close to thick stuff. You know, he's always. It's almost seemed like he's got an escape route already thought what he's gonna do. Yep. If you don't go shoot one wounded up and see where he does. You know, he ain't gonna run through the middle of the woods. He's mm. gonna hit the thickest stuff, and uh, so that's that's what we did, and it's worked out real well. Uh, I'm having to re, you know, I've had to uh, bring a big mulcher in on some of these wetter areas that I couldn't get mowed. Yeah, so, so some of the wetter areas yeah. won't carry the fire. It so won't you, carry so the, fire. the good yeah. thing about this and what makes this better than so the alternative would have been to what what people used to do is maybe do a select cut or a thinning of the hardwoods, but you can't manage it with you, fire you then, not the way no, you can right. this. Yeah. So what you've got and, is, and you few, really can't manage it with herbicides. Cause you're gonna kill the residual trees that you left behind. Yeah, the ones that you're trying to. So you know the. So you got a few spots yeah. that are low that may not carry fire, yeah. and you, some you get some woody growth back. Right, so and, you, and then what I've got coming up. I mean, you talked about it, Brent. It's gonna be pretty neat. We're gonna you're gonna be kind of live on it, but I'm I'm fixing to go in and, and take some of the older areas when it was thin in the '90s. That's all grew up in uh, saplings. And I'm going to take, whether it's a half an acre or an acre, most of it's going to be less than an acre. And I'm going to take them out. I'm going to take those. There's no big trees in those areas. Mm-hmm. Most of it's, you know, just set it back. club. I'm going to set, just it gonna set it back. And I'm just going to take a dozer and a, or a track hoe in there on, on my time. And you could spray it if you wanted to, but I'm, I'm a little leery about spraying. Or hinge. Yeah, hinge, cut, <laughs> and then you, then you go to the chiropractor the rest of your life. But... Uh, you know, toting that old chainsaw looks good on TV when you're cutting five trees, yeah. but when you're cutting 280 to the acre, yeah, it's it ain't as, not as fun. Mm. 
And uh, you can't do nothing with the brush. That's the main thing. But I'm going to uh, I'm going to take those areas out, and I'm going to do some more just small areas that I want them to grow up in river cane, switch cane. And uh, and then I'm probably going to, on the little higher ones, I'm going to put some switchgrass in, you know, on a smaller scale. I don't know how it's going to do under that canopy. Yeah. But but they planted under pine trees, warehousing. It did really well. So I think it's it goes to some seed rates. But, I mean, just – like I said, just trying some being mindful yeah. of, of what I needed to do. But it, it worked out. I tell you, it's worked out good on, on all aspects. Yeah, look, it's yeah. cool. It's cool to see it. It's, it, to me, it's a story worth telling that yeah. it, it's, it's – well, And I it don't look like a cutover. When, you know? Yeah, that's it just, right. It looks when, like it's supposed to be yeah. there. When you and Mitt talk yeah. about creating cover, recognizing what that limited factor is, and this is a prime piece of property, but it was limited in cover. Yeah. And and when, when you and Mitt – make these recommendations and talk about how to do this y'all have done it and that's, that's what's right. cool to me i mean y'all have done it I'm, i've seen it and uh that airhead that airhead conversion from from hardwood to to yeah. cover to, to warm season grass is cool to me and remember this y'all when you're thinking now now walk your place you don't you don't need it to hold water you want it on a on a high and it ain't got to be a three foot elevation six eight inches yeah just those species that you know the different types of oaks. You know, you know you have some upland oaks, some some shumar. Yeah, when it goes some, from those water oaks, what what all the good old boys at the co-ops gonna call it willow pin oak. oak? When it goes yeah, from a right. willow oak, when you start seeing the white oak, yep, you can step back and look, and there's a topography right. change. When it's all white oak and gum, most of the time a hickory is the greatest indicator species in the world. A hickory's not gonna have wet feet. He's gonna be, you know, a gum can grow anywhere, yeah. high ground or I mean it's. You know, gums are pretty yeah. resilient. Hickory's but a, upland. But a, but a hickory is a little bit of an upland, okay? So he can grow on a six inches elevation change. And, and uh, you know, you, you look at your oak species, a uh, uh, swamp chestnut, which is we're talking about white oak. A northern white oak, Brent, what you're talking about. Yeah. A northern white oak is going on. He, he can't make it in that bottom. Mm. He's going to be on a little bit of elevation change. So, you know, whether you're Mississippi, Alabama, or you're in – north carolina or you're in kansas you know it's pretty easy no you know get you some species get your book get a forester get somebody that knows a, a nrcs guy that that knows yeah, those look, different if, trees if, if you're like yeah. me you may not know what it is but you can tell that it's a different one than what's over here and, right. that, and that indicates that That's there's right. a change i mean you it don't you're not a rocket scientist i don't care what you do for a living but if you see a cypress you're gonna know there's water close by yeah right. and i mean it's just it's just what it is, you know. Use some common sense. I mean, you don't have to have a PhD. Yeah, and if you're going to do to, it one uh, one step farther, you're going to do what you did. You don't select that wet site for your cover. Th- for your that's game. right, because a lot of people want to select that wet because it's clear. You know, a lot of people get hung up. Hey, man, ain't nothing there. Well, it's a reason why there ain't nothing growing there. Yeah, it, it's wet, and and whatever cover you put there is going to be wet. You know, it's just. You know, a lot of times in the Delta, you'll see that those big deer lay on those ditches banks. All right? A dry spot with grass. That's right. Dry spot with grass. I mean, so they lay there knowing because a lot of that stuff is flooded for ducks and waterfowl and pimas. You've pushed them out, but they're going to lay. They're going to lay. They got to lay dry. They got to control their, their heat and uh, their body temperatures. Yep. But, uh, but yeah, that's a, that's a cool thing. Yep. <clears throat> well, I wanted to talk about it, and uh, we got some, I got some cool video of it. We'll, we'll put up. If you think put up a few visuals of it because that's just that's a neat it's a neat spot down there in the middle of that that, that hard that landscape yeah. all right 
Thank you all for listening. We said it'd be a short one. Sounds good. See you next time. Mm-hmm.